many things that's held us down But now it looks like things are finally coming around I know we've got a long, long way to go Welcome to my podcast, From Trauma to Triumph, Walking Away from Trauma. It is aired Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. I'm your host, Lana M. Hooks, your author, speaker, blogger, vlogger, guide, and aromatherapist who just happens to have a B.A. in Black Studies from Martin University and an M.A. in African-American Studies with a concentration in history from Clark Atlanta University. My website is lanamhooks.com, and that's L-A-N-A-M-H-O-O-K-S.com, affectionately called I Allow Peace, Forgiveness, and Love. I created the blog I Allow to help people identify unresolved womb and childhood emotional traumas and how they are surfacing in the present through pent-up desires. Together, we build a trusted bond that allows for self-discovery using forgiveness, peace, love, and other natural methods. I do this because I desire for people's fragmented souls to be restored and to live authentically in their innately created identity. I'm also located on Twitter. I'm LM Hooks. And on Instagram, I'm LM Hooks 51. And on Facebook, I'm Lana.M.Hooks. My email is authorlmhooks at gmail.com. Welcome again to From Trauma to Triumph, Walking Away from Trauma. I created this podcast because there are those who are stuck in the middle of their journey in walking from traumatic experiences. And sometimes we need to hear other, another person's story that is on the other side called living victoriously in their authentic identity and purpose. I believe that stories are a wrath, a buoy, to catch from someone else that can bring you through to living victoriously in your authentic identity. So on Thursday evenings, tune in to hear stories and also to have therapists, counselors, and natural healers to give you their wisdom in answering your questions that can assist you as you walk away from trauma. You can post your questions at anchor, excuse me, dot FM forward slash Lana 337. Tonight, I have a very, very, very special guest. This guest is a, not just a friend, but she's a sister friend that I've known for several years. And I'm just going to tell you just a little bit about her. Her name is Sharice Vonner. She's a mother of two young adults, Joshua and Destiny, and the pastor of Sharice Vonner Ministries. She evangelizes, encourages, and inspires women from all walks of life, but especially those who struggle with substance abuse. She helps them uncover the lies of the enemy to reveal their true identity and purpose. She states they need to know that no matter what they've gone through or done, they still have good inside of them and were created to do great things. Another tier of her ministry is assisting organizations in planning William Con women, excuse me, conferences, and she hosts women conferences as well. In addition to her women's ministry, her other passion is cooking soul food. And yes, she can cook. This led her to start a catering business affectionately called Soul Sisters, and that's S-I-S-T-A-H-S. They are now in the midst of expanding their geographical reach and operations. 
She also collaborates with the local bridal shop in making brooches, bouquets, and decorating wedding shoes. Lastly, she is currently writing her autobiography. The reason for her book is to bring more awareness to the abuse that's going on in the earth. Cherie's desire strongly to continue to rip band-aids off of wounds that have been buried for years and years. She wants to let people know God does have a plan and a purpose for their lives, that Jesus loves us all and we are survivors through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram as Sharice Vonner, and that's V for victory, A-R-N-E-R. And if you need a caterer for any of your events, their business page is called Soul Sisters Catering. Sharice tonight will give her personal testimony about physical, mental, emotional, and sexual abuse she experienced as a child into her young adult life. The language the abuse left her was, I thought I was put on earth to endure abuse, that no one loved me and no one would ever love me. She will expose how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your authentic identity. But her main desire for her and in her ministry is to uncover the guilt and shame to get to the root of the issues and be healed. I present to some and introduce to others, Pastor Sharice Vonner. Welcome, Pastor Sharice. Thank you, Lana. Thank you so much for inviting me on tonight. I've been excited ever since I received the invitation and just um, excited about God and putting my testimony out there and helping other women to know that they are not alone. They don't have to walk through this alone and that they can come out on the other side of this. And when they come out, they'll come out like pure gold, like they were never even touched or look like nothing ever happened to them. I believe that because I, I remember when I first met you, and it's been several years, about what, 2013 mm -hmm. or maybe? Yes. Yes. And so it was like, you know, not knowing a, a whole lot about you at the time, and you invited me to your women's conference and you know, I, I was a speaker at that time. And I remember sitting there and listening to you and I was like, oh my God, you know, and seeing the smile on your face and down through the years, I know we had lost contact and then we got back in contact. And mm -hmm. I mean, seeing you blossom, seeing you grow, seeing you just literally just elevate and how, how God has really elevated you by leaps and bounds. And the people, once they hear your testimony tonight, and I don't like comparing apples to oranges because I realize that everybody's journey is different. I realize that everybody's walk is going to be different. But if they, right. can, if they can glean anything from your story, just to know that no matter what you have really gone through, mm -hmm. that God will literally come and get you and that he will literally just turn your whole life around because you are a living testament of it. And even to just to be more transparent and more real and more um, honest, even with self, you had to admit some things with your relationship, even with God, but I'm not going to get ahead of the story because I really want okay. you to tell, tell the story. And, and just, you know, Sharice, you, the floor is yours. So thank you so much. You're more than welcome. 
First, I just want to start out by saying that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by our testimony. And I also want to say that when we go through hell and back and hell and back and back again, that just lets us know that we have the goods. That there's something inside of us that's wonderful and awesome, and God's going to bring that out of us. But has to cover all that up with his ugliness, his darkness. He, he comes to do his job, to steal, kill, and destroy. And during in my testimony, I will uh, let you know how that came about with my, how God turned it around. So when I was three years old, I was um, living in an adoption home and um, these two, I, that was in the city. And so the two people that came to adopt me, they lived in a very small country town and everything in their life was perfect. And so um, everything was man neatly manicured on the outside, neatly manicured on the inside. It just looked perfect. They both had prominent jobs in the community. Um, uh, the my woman that I called mother, she went to church every Sunday. She was church secretary. She uh, was over the youth choir. She made the um, outfits for the youth. She was a phenomenal cook. And um, she was just very active in the church. She taught me at home. Um, and she taught me in the, the word of God. She sent me to Sunday school every Sunday. I eventually took piano lessons to start playing for the church later on, about nine or 10 or so. And um, she taught me, I didn't go to kindergarten. She taught me everything at home because my birthday was, was not until October. So I missed that date to begin kindergarten. So she taught me ABCs and one, two, threes and just all that good stuff. You know, everything that I needed to know was a kindergarten age. And I mm -hmm. learned to read at a very young age and I love to read and I love to soak up the word of God. And I learned, I caught on very quickly. But, you know, it, having said all this, um, this but behind closed doors, these people were monsters. They... Um, abuse me the the mother she was the, the physical abuser okay. and she would beat me she would beat me for any reason no matter what I did if it was wrong if it was right she would find a reason to beat me and she I would always have to pull my pants down and she would beat me with the belt starting out and I would just cry and cry and cry of course I was a child and it hurt you know somebody's beating you're gonna cry mm -hmm. and she said um I'm going to keep beating you until you stop crying. And, you know, she said, even if it takes all day. So she would continue to beat on me because I would continue to cry. And I had chores to do around the house. And if those chores weren't done to her perfection. Oh, that brought about another beating. And she would just walk up to me sometimes and she would just smack me in my face. She, she would smack me on my left cheek, smack me on my right cheek and just smack me. And she would call me just you know just anything to be abusive mm -hmm. she would take her fist and punch me in my eye um I walked around with black eyes she threw me across the room one time I was about five years old I guess and she had thrown me across the room and my head hit the back of an end table 
And I still have a scar in the back of my head to this day from where my head hit that end table. Mm. And there was times that she would have me go outside and get a switch. And she would say, make sure it has the thorns on it. And I would go get the switch, bring it back in the house. And she would put a towel in her hand so that the thorns wouldn't touch her hand, but they would just touch my body. And I was never able to really do anything that I wanted to do. I had to, I was like a little soldier. She kept me dressed from head to toe, you know, just looking good all the time. I stayed at the beauty shop all the time. And, you know, back then we'd get our hair pressed or she would press my hair herself. And like I said, it was always a beating and she would just scream at me and she would holler at me. And my nerves got really bad. So she, I would urinate on myself from time to time. So she would make me lay me down. She put a diaper on me. I was about five or six. She would put a diaper on me and up a big pitcher of water and she would pour the water into a glass and she'd make me drink as much water as my bladder could hold and then she'd make me go under the lay under the bed for hours and hours at a time with just the diaper and nothing else on there was time a couple of times I can remember she and her husband took turned me upside down and put my head in the toilet for whatever the reason just you know just mean and evil and so there was another other times that she would make me go outside and just run around the house in um, in just un my undergarments. It would be after church, always on the Sunday, and it would be really pretty and sunny outside. And I sometimes I'd be running around the house, or I'd have to stand outside in the in the heat in the sun for hours. And my cousins and friends would walk by, and they would just laugh at me, you know because I was outside and they would call me names. They would call me Blackie because I was standing out in the sun. And so this, all this just abuse, you know, just anything to be abusive and be negative all the time. And there was a time whenever uh, if she thought that I was lying, she would turn the gas stove on. She would turn an eye, one of the eyes from the gas stove on and she would put my hand over that stove. Would say She would ask the question, and I had to say basically what she wanted to hear. If I didn't, she would lower my hand over that flame until I said what she wanted to, to hear. And as I was telling you about the beatings, well, I learned to stop crying when she would beat me because I learned that it would stop, the beatings would stop sooner if I would stop crying. So I learned to stand there and just take the beating. Well, the next thing I know when I was eight years old, her husband approaches me and he begins to fondle me sexually. I was standing at the kitchen sink one morning. I was taking some medicine because I hadn't been feeling well. And he told me to get up and go take some aspirin. So I was at the kitchen sink and he came into the kitchen with the medicine and he comes up behind me. I had my pajamas and he begins to fondle my breast. And he said, this is what all fathers do to uh, prepare their daughters. And I, you know, I don't know what that preparation was for, but I thought, you know, as a young girl, eight years old, I thought, well, okay, you know, doesn't feel good, but this is what daddy is saying, you know, I guess it's okay. So um, then he tries to go underneath. 
And I say, no, daddy, no. And then I got loud enough where he scared him off. And so later on that afternoon, he comes to me and he apologizes. And he tells me, don't ever tell um, mama or grandma because they'll be very mad at me. And he told me he loved me and he just wanted us to be a happy family. And he hugged me. And I said, oh, it's okay, daddy. You know, I forgive you. Well, it did not stop there. It um, actually went on for the next eight years. It became much worse. Um, he began to sodomize me. Um, there was a molestation in there. He began to rape me on occasion. Um, help me, Lord. So his wife died when I was 13 years old and she had kidney failure. And because when she died, he took me on to be his girlfriend. And he would take me out to very nice restaurants, buy me very nice clothes, but I was his sex slave behind closed doors. And no one knew, as far as I knew, no one knew what was going on, but he wouldn't allow me to go out with my other uh, friends or he didn't want any of the house spending the night. I couldn't go to ball games or high school dances or even go out on a date because this man wanted me at home as his sex slave. Well, and like I said, this went on for eight years. Well, when I was 16, I became pregnant by the man that I call daddy. And once we found out that I was pregnant, he came to me in the middle of the night. And he said, um, so what do you want to do about this baby? He said, well, he said, if you keep the baby, he said that, uh, he said, daddy could get in big trouble and I could go to jail. Well, just remember that statement right there. Okay. So um, I said, I want to have an abortion. You know, I was 16 years old in the prime of my life. This was not something that I chose. And that was a rape situation because I was trying to get away from him. I was trying to fight him away. And he still pinned me down and told me that it was my fault that if I had not moved, that the condom would not have torn and I would not have been pregnant. Mm. So, um, I said, I wanted to have an abortion. So he took me to have an abortion. At that time, you could get an abortion up to five months. Well, I just barely made it. I was four and a half months pregnant when I had the abortion. So I went on, I lived at home. And after that, I told him no more. I got the courage to say no more. And, you know, he still tried it. He still tried it. I said, no, you know, I mean, it's like, I just took my voice back on that. I said, no. And so finally at that, he finally left me alone and I was able to live a little bit of my high school teenage life, you know, just live freely. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated high school, I just kind of went buck wild, just really didn't know what to do, where to go. I just had be because I felt so unloved, so unworthy. I was looking for love and as growing up as a young girl, I would always say to myself and cry, I would say, why does anybody love me? What have I done that nobody loves me? I said, if your own parents don't love you, something's got to be wrong with me. And I've had to have caused all this, you know. And I also thought, well, if your own parents don't love me, who else is going to love me? So I began to just sleeping with different men 
and I was giving sex trying to receive love but it doesn't work that way but I was look I was just looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces <laughs> and so as a result of all the childhood abuse I attracted very physically abusive men to me I went through uh, two very physically abusive relationships I had guns pointed at me I had knives thrown at my head just uh, you know all kinds of physical abuse in both relationships because both times I was not healed so whatever's on the inside of you you will mirror that to you so I had nothing but hurt and shame inside of me unforgiveness rage anger so I attracted all that negativity to me I had no self-esteem to no self-confidence. I allowed people to say what they wanted to say to me, basically do what they wanted to do to me. And, you know, you keep going through life like that. Well, for me, I will say, I got to a point in my life, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of people using me. I was tired of people abusing me. And people only do to you what you will allow them to do. So I was allowing a lot of things in my life that didn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew inside of myself, this is not who I really am. You know, my will had been beaten out of me as a youth, and my voice had been taken away from me, you know, as while I was growing up. So when I became an adult, I really didn't have that voice or hadn't found it yet. Put it that way. Thank mm -hmm. you, Holy Spirit. I hadn't found my voice yet because mm -hmm. it was always there, but the devil tried to take it away. So you just got to get in there and dig and find it. So I kept going through life, just feeling you know, unworthy, unloved, ashamed, packing someone else's, the devil's guilt, packing his shame. And one day this lady came to me, her name is Janice. And she came to me and she, we just happened to meet and which there's no coincidences when it comes to God or no happenstance. It was just a divine appointment. Mm -hmm. And so um, she would come to my house every day, Lana, and she would just, we would hang out together. And then sometimes she would quote scriptures to me and uh, I would be nodding off to sleep because I was in still such a darkness and that light was coming in, you know, those seeds were being planted. And I was thinking, oh, she was getting on my last nerve. Won't she please go home? <laughs> but God allowed her to go home because she was on a mission. She was, oh, hallelujah. She was drawing me to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so eventually, it was about three years later, um, I gave my life to the Lord through her coming over and uh, just, just being who she was. She wasn't what I considered churching, she just was like, a, she became a friend. That's what she was to me. She was a friend. And just by her light and her lifestyle, she led me to the Lord. Because I had truly gotten sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I for, never, will for, never will forget, I'd ask, I called my aunt, she lived in New York at the time. And I said, you know, can I move up there with you? So can me and my children come up there with you? And she said, no. She said, I love you. She said, but, you know, I'm older. I'm set in my ways. My children are grown. You have little babies. I wouldn't mind for you all to come and visit. 
don't mind that. She said, but what you need to do is find the nearest church and go there. And I thought, oh my God, church. I, uh, uh, that's just not what I'm, you know, so I'm thinking to myself, you know, mm-hmm. but that is what I needed to do. And so when I met my friend Janice and she led me to the Lord and that's when life just really began to open up for me. That's when the healing process began for me. And that's why I say um, rip the Band-Aid off because mm-hmm. sometimes you got to rip it off. No matter how bad it hurts, you just got to rip that Band-Aid off and let all that infection begin to come out so that you can heal. Mm-hmm. And so I went through um, a lot of self-esteem mentor, had a self-esteem mentor, mental health counselor, I journaled like crazy down through the years. I, that's the best advice I can give to anybody. Journal, journal, journal. Journal out them feelings. Get them out of your head and get them onto a piece of paper. It makes you feel so much better. You free in your mind. And so, um, okay, a mental health um, counselor. And I remember the mental health counselor, the first one I went to, because I'm still in... A mental health counseling but I'm on a different level of healing mm-hmm. and I'm at a different counselor so the first one I went to she wanted to uh she asked me she said do you want to press charges against this man I said no she said you need to and I said no I said I just want my life back I just want my freedom from everything she said Sharif you really need to press charges and I said no I don't want to go through it again and she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put your file over here in a file cabinet. Anytime you want it, uh, want to get your file, you can get it. I said, okay, thank you. Well, 10 years later, little did I know God spoke to me and he said, it's time. And I said, time for what God? And he said, it's time for um, you to press charges against this man. He must pay for the wrong that he has done to you. He said, my words has touched not mine anointed and do my prophet no harm. That means from the womb to the tomb. And, you know, just wrestling with God. I said, God, it's been 32 years. That's so long to go back. And he let me know that there was no law, uh, statute of limitations in Kentucky. Mm. So I was able to go back and uh, press charges against this man. That trial took six months six months after 32 years, six months, it was over and done with. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison. All right. And so um, throughout this trial, I petitioned the courts to open up my adoption record. So basically they did it on their own. They went ahead and searched for my biological family and sent me all the information that I needed. And, um, in doing that, there was my mother's phone number in that file. Come to find out, they had called her into the office and asked her, did she have a child on October the 25th? And she said, yes, what's going on? Looking for you. And come to find out, my mother had been looking for me as well. So um, they sent this information to me. I called her as soon as I seen the number. And the next day I was sitting in her living room and I had met all of my siblings. Um, I'm the oldest of seven siblings on my mother's side. Hmm. Yes. 
Wow. And, you know, Lana, like I said, until a person gets sick and tired of being sick, and mm-hmm. that's when the change comes. But until you get to that point, you're going to keep on allowing people to put their dirt on you. You know, Sharice, as you were talking about the trial uh, and how God, after 32 years, wanted you to press charges. The only verse that kept coming to my mind was when God says, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Mm-hmm. That was the, 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 the scripture that came to my mind. And ha- after 32 years that he was like, no, now it's time for him to pay the price for what he did. Um, but um, just to kind of ask you some questions about this is like, I know you said that you got to a, a place in your life where you got tired of being talked to a certain way, where you got tired of being treated. You got just got tired. Like you said, you got tired of being sick and sick and tired of being sick and tired. That famous mm-hmm. line by Fannie, Fannie Lou Hamer uh, out of Mississippi, who said that years ago during the civil rights movement. And, and it's, and it's so true. You know, you do, you do get to a, a moment in your life where you like, you like enough is enough. You know, Amen. so do you remember the age that you were or you're around that time that where you just, it just, you just said no more? Uh, let me see. I'd had my, my, my second child. So I was about 26 years old, maybe 27. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now up until this point, now that you're you you you've got you've you've accepted Christ into your life and um and now you're beginning to well, I guess my question is what happened when you got sick and tired of being sick and tired what things began to happen that you now had to begin to deal with you you began to literally search out your authentic identity um, what made you you know what steps did you take during the early moments to come out of hiding? Well, when, um, even before I got saved, I would journal. I remember that. And I would write letters to Jesus all the time. I was talking to him, was talking to him. And I would really be writing out my prayers is what I was doing. It's like I said, I was raised up in the church, so I knew Jesus, you know, just wasn't serving him at that time. Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember moving into my own home because I was living with my daughter's father and I would write letters to Jesus all the time. You know, Lord, please deliver me out of this hell, um, being with him and what was inside of me. You know, I knew just things just wasn't right. I didn't have peace. I didn't have that inner peace. And, you know, Lana seemed like if you don't have peace, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And so once I got to that uh, new apartment and I was living just with me and my children, I was a single parent. That's when God really began to move in my life. That's when my friend came, started coming around more often. And uh, God just really began to move in my life. And once um, I accepted Jesus in my heart as my personal savior, that's when he opened me up to where I was able to tell my story. I was, I told it to Janice. And once I told, you know, really was able to tell somebody and they sit there and listen to it. Mm -hmm. 
it's like that's when like the band-aid had come off and some of the 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 venom that was in me was was oozing out began to ooze out okay okay Mm -hmm. now i remember you saying at one point um that when you first got saved and you you your relationship with god how did you feel about god having grown up in grew up in a family where um god was you know 24 7 but being abused at the same time what what was your relationship with god like (laughs) well when i first got saved it was beautiful you know it was all great until i started like the more that i would walk with god and talk with god i got to a point that i was stuck and I didn't know what was going on with me. So I began to ask God, you know, what's going on? And one day I remember just sitting at my kitchen table, just me and him just talking. And I remember looking up to the heavens and saying, God, I hate you. I said, you allowed me to go through all this abuse in my life. And, you know, here I am hurting. I said, you did all this to me. You know, I said, you allowed this to happen to me. I said, you could have stopped this at any given time, but you chose not to. And well, at first I did think it was him Mm -hmm. that did Mm -hmm. until this lady, she came to me one day and she just said in a soft voice, she said, that wasn't God that did those terrible things to you. She said, that was the devil. She told me, she said, God is love. And when she said that, that's when the light bulb went off and something just get on the inside of me just opened up and here come the tears again, you know? <laughs> yes. Just wow. asking God for his forgiveness. And, but you know, God knew my heart. He knew that was in my heart, mm-hmm. even though I was serving him, you know, and I was on that journey to really trying to heal and, you know, build a relationship with God. He knew what was in my heart. He knew that that hatred was there for him. He just wanted me to confess it so that he could, you know, release all of it. You know, I'm glad you said that. I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of people who are in church sometimes, they think that you can't hate God or hating God is blasphemous as if God doesn't know already. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, cause I, I had to go through the same thing, you know, and I remember he had, you know, I, I, I call it pushing me into the corner. I felt like a, like a, like a rat, you know, you push a cat push a rat in the corner. Either they're going to come out fighting or right. either. And so I was, I remember that time, my, even myself being pushed into a corner and I remember just literally going off. I just went slap mm-hmm. off on God. And I was like, you know what, if this is my last day on earth, okay, so be it. And, but I did. And as soon as I finished, the first thing that I heard him say was, you feel better? Mm, wow. And I, I couldn't help it, but I busted out laughing. And I could hear him laugh too, you know? And it was just like, I said, <laughs> did you really say that? He said, I've been waiting on you to say that. Exactly. He said, I did- go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say God told me that He would, had been waiting on me, and, and you know, mm-hmm. and that's so true because it's like He, you know, we think that God is this, um, like He wears His feelings on His on His shoulder type deal. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying He doesn't get disappointed and things like that, and, you know, but 
he knows that there's things that inside of us that block even us from him. Right. You know, and we blame him and, you know, and whether it's false blame or, or, or in ignorance, we, you know, he just wants it cleared. That's really what he wants, you know? So thank you for sharing that part of, 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 uh, you know, of your testimony and saying that as well. Cause I really want people to understand that to really have a, a relationship to be very transparent with God, you mm-hmm. can really, you can really say what you want to say because it, it doesn't take him by surprise. Amen. You know, and and, mm-hmm. and no, no lightning bolts gonna come down and hit you. You're not gonna <laughs> die in your sleep. You know all the scary stuff we were told. You know, growing up in church. You know all that crazy yes. stuff. Uh, but my other question to you is: Now that you have gone through it, and you've gone, you've gone to counseling, and you've gone to, uh, like you said, um, um mentors to help with your self-esteem and things of that nature mm-hmm. um as you were going through those moments did you celebrate your triumphant breakthroughs as they occurred you know lana i have to say i did not celebrate because i did not know to celebrate mm. um, i wish i truly wish that i would have And I would encourage others to celebrate milestones, no matter how big or how small in their life, to truly celebrate themselves. Because these are true achievements in life, accomplishments. You know, if if a person can overcome the obstacles myself and things that I know that you've been through, Mm -hmm. you need to celebrate you. And... I'm still, I am going to celebrate um, the victory of the uh, prison sentence. I am going to, the the fact that I press charges, I'm going to celebrate that. It's not off the table yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I feel like as time. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like it doesn't matter when you celebrate as long as you celebrate. That's true. And thank mm-hmm. you for saying that. Thank you for saying that because better late than never, you, yes. you know, you, you, you have to look at those moments and be like, wow, I, 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 I did something. You know, I, I mean, I walked through, I pressed through the fear. I, I, I mm-hmm. actually did it, you know, and those yes. are those, those are those golden moments that, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter when you celebrate, but as long as you do, because I think what happens is that when you start celebrating it, even if it's later, I think just from that knowing that you had the courage to step through those doors and do, you know, what you thought was the impossible, but yes. God made it possible, you will still it'll still feel like it like it was just that day, you know. Exactly. So yes. I guess that's good. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um and may I add to that's still yeah. a empowering empowering yourself very much so yeah yes taking taking more of your voice back when you do celebrate yeah that is so true that Mm -hmm. is so true um it's you know you said that several times taking back your voice taking back your voice because there's a language that you learn when you've been traumatized Mm -hmm. and then there's a language that you learn when you're walking away from trauma and I know you mentioned some of those tonight when you said that you thought she were never going to be loved and that you weren't loved. And so how, and you said you, you attracted men who were uh, physically abusive to you and things like that. What was your language, if you can share, what was your language that you said when you were with those men 
versus the language that you have now. Can you give us an example? Well, I remember like sometimes after having sex, mm -hmm. I would just lay in the bed and just cry. And I would think to, cause I knew that's just not who I was on the inside of me. I would just feel different on the inside as, as to what happened on the outside. So I would just lay there in the bed and cry. And I would say, Lord, if you put me on this earth for me to be abused, and it appears that this is how it's going to be, then I'll walk through it. I thought that I had to go through this. Mm. Mm -hmm. Once again, a lie of the devil. Wow. Because God is love. Wow. Wow. We don't have to do anything to receive his love. Right. Mm -hmm. And we sure don't have to live a contradictory life to receive his love. His salvation is free. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny you say that because I, this, it, this must be something that's very just um, indicative to people who've gone through major traumas that we all say the same thing that we, if this is something that we've been put on earth to endure. Mm -hmm. um, now you said you will endure it. Now me, I said, God, take me out. Uh -huh. <laughs> I did. I was like, it's time to go. It was like, I, I, I'm not going to be a punching bag anymore. You know, right. uh, <laughs> you know, but, but it, it's funny because I've, I've heard other people say the same thing. They were like, you know, this is all what, what it's cracked up to be. Then why, why even be born? You know? mm -hmm. but it's funny how the language that we learn through the experiences that we have can really screw up you know how our our our, our perception of God and our perception of love because it, it it does it gets skewed it's like the lines are very thin it's like is this is this really love or is this you right. know you know, and so when mm -hmm. someone comes along and, and shows you a real, genuine, authentic love, it really messes with you. Yes. Because you're, yes. like, you're like, really? Oh, because I noticed how you said, even when the women came to you, you said your, your, your language changed. You said they spoke softly. They mm -hmm. touched me gently. Right. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like they came to you and hit you, you know, and, 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 you know, and, you know, it, it was, it was nothing of that. They didn't scream at you. They literally no. came and gave you a very gentle touch. Yes. A gentle voice. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to me, you know, the, the, even the, the actions, you know, of, of how we, you know, th that have been traumatized, how, how we have to, how we, have to accept love, you mm. know, because it's very hard. I know, I know, because I've heard other people say this, you know, they say, I, I don't do screaming well. Right. You know, I don't do, it's like even touching me. It's like, you know, I have to make sure that I really know you and comfortable enough for you to touch me, mm -hmm. you know? And mm. so it's, it's one of those things to where it doesn't mean you have to walk on eggshells around us. It just means you just, it just means you have to be mindful. Amen. You know, and I think that's, that's really what it is. But, um, but you're, you're, you're giving us some really good gems about, you know, 
how you journaled and journaled and journaled. And, and then <laughs> even when you were able to, to, to talk about it with um, Janice, that she was your safe space. Yes. You know, and for, and for you to begin to open up and to talk about the story was just monumental. Even I, you know, I, I would even celebrate that because you opened up and talked to somebody who had no clue, but she okay. was, but she was a safe arena for you to, to allow you to hear your own voice. Yes. That even of itself is such a monumental uh, moment. Um, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When you were, um, as you were overcoming each traumatic moment, did you go through a grieving process? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, I really didn't even know what it was that I was going through. Um, my self-esteem mentor, she, she calls it a dark night of the soul. And she would say that um, it's like you're, you're leaving, you're, okay, you grew up with that past and that's who you were. That's not who you are, but that's who you were then. But whenever you come into Christ and he begins to heal you, you begin to shed that. You begin to shed it. And you do uh, you do grieve it because it's like a death you're going through. Mm -hmm. That old man is leaving and you're coming into the new person, to the new man. That's so and true. Like one has to catch up with the other. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that's real true that's true oh so let me ask you this now that you're rebuilding um you and rebuilding your mental emotional physical self how has this affected your bloodline well look, like with my children yes mm -hmm. okay um i taught them at a very young age you know, the the good touch, bad touch, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, if somebody uh, mistreats you, you know, you stand up, you talk, you say, you know, what's on your mind and always look a person in the eye. Because if you look away from a person, like some might think the wrong person would think that that person is weak, you know, and that could be an opportunity to basically, um, running for the kill, so to speak. You know, if they were going to be a perpetrator or do something bad to them. Mm -hmm. But I always try to talk, I have always tried to teach them to speak up. You know, don't let anyone voice from you. And that the sky is a limit. And that you can do what you want to do in the, on this earth. You just have to get up and go do it. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And my last question to you, to you. did you learn from your trauma what your purpose was in life? Yes, I have. <clears throat> I know that my main purpose, my main passion is truly helping um, abuse women. I, during my healing process, I can remember back few years ago, my children were in uh, middle school and I can remember inside of me, I just felt a bunch of women inside of me. And mm -hmm. I just felt like, I had to heal to get to these women. I feel like they needed to hear whatever God had put on the inside of me. And that is my ministry for women. Abuse, well, really just any woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Okay. Well, we Pastor Sharice, you have given us nuggets. You have given us a story. And first of all, thank you for sharing. You are so welcome. Uh, because there's a strength to be able to share your story and a courage that people may not understand. Um, and, and people who, and, and also people who deserve to hear your story. So mm -hmm. thank you for literally pouring your heart out and sharing with us those tumultuous times that you had growing up, but you overcame and still overcoming in different areas. Like you said, different levels of healing. Yes. Um, thank you so much for your courage. Thank you so much for your, for your voice being shared across the airwaves and, and, and sharing your story with countless other people mm -hmm. um, that are uh, either have, kept the band-aids on for far too long or they're or they're taking their band-aids off and they can find a kindred spirit so Absolutely. is there anything else you want us to share uh, share about your uh your catering or your ministries or anything that you want us to share please by all means give us your uh social media sites and things where people can reach out to you and just have at it go ahead tell us everything <laughs> okay <laughs> And also with my catering and uh, I do make uh, brooch bouquets for uh, the bride to be and I decorate wedding shoes. And the thing about this, Lana, I never knew I could do any of this stuff. You know, these gifts were uh, just buried inside of me. Something else the devil tried to steal from me. So, mm -hmm. God, you know, he is really just developing me and showing me more of who I am and more of what he has put inside of me. And I just love to make people feel good through my food, through cooking. Um, and I love, you know, for women to feel good about themselves. Um, you can reach me on Instagram, Sharice Varner, and I have a, a Soul Sisters food page. Um catering page it's, i'm tired a soul sisters catering page so look us up on there um what else do i have oh and i do uh host women's conferences i haven't hosted one in a while but i would love to help if someone needs help uh, setting up a conference they are so fun to do <laughs> so, if i might add she does a wonderful job in, in putting together a women's conference. She makes you come out of there feeling like, oh my God, all your femininity is just dripping everywhere. So <laughs> if you want her services, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I just had to put that little clip in there. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're fine. And that's just about it. I do. I love making women feel good. If they just feel good for that one day, they will always have that one day to look back on and to refer to, hey, you know, if they ever get off track, they can say, hey, I want that feeling again. Because some people have never felt beautiful. And that's what I want women to feel beautiful. That is so true. That is so true. And, and, and I mean, all jokes aside, if you really, if you really want a conference to where you want your women to walk away knowing that God is uh, in love with his woman, <laughs> then, then you need to really just reach out to Sharice Vonner because I guarantee you, I, I went to her conference and, and she had all these 
you know, people there that would help you adorn you. And it was clothes, it was makeup, it was, you know, it was a whole bunch of things there. Vendors, you know, that when like, again, when you walked away, um, you walked away knowing that you were well, that you were pampered. You were yes. literally pampered that day. You were fed too, you know, and <laughs> and 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 I, I've tasted her cooking and I guarantee you, I promise you. In fact, I'm going up there for the holidays. Yes, I'm going <laughs> to eat. So uh <laughs> so absolutely. I, so you know what I know it's getting late and everything, and but I I just want to say to you, thank you again. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the wealth of knowledge that you have shared with us as, as in your story. Uh, and the gems you have given us. Sharice, continue to keep on keeping on because you really are a light in darkness and you truly are a jewel in the crown of God. So have a wonderful night and thank you again for sharing. You are so welcome and you have a wonderful night as well. God bless you. Thank you so much. Love Love you too. Everyone, thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Uh, If you have any questions, you know you can reach out at anchor.fm forward slash Lana337. And feel free to uh, post your your questions there. They will get answered. Um, Thank you for listening. Please share our podcast with other people you may know that may glean from this. They're all on other platforms as well, not just Anchor. They're on Spotify. They're on Google Play. So please share. And uh, if you have a story, reach out to me. My name is Lana M. Hooks. You can email me at author, A-U-T-H-O-R-L-M-Hooks at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to, um, to interview you. And you can be on the podcast to share your story. And again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We sign off. As always, love you. Oh, well.